Welcome, welcome to the inaugural episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast and a hoop ball production. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, and joined today and from here on out by my co-host, Travis Fuller. How are you doing today, Trav? I am doing fantastic. I'm so glad that we're able to do this. I know this is something that we've been talking about for a, a while now. Um, and like Rhett mentioned, this is a dynasty podcast, so we are focusing solely on dynasty hoops which is fantastic. That's my favorite way to play. And um, I'm really looking forward to our discussions and we have some great content um, coming to you. So um, Rhett, you have an article for us. Um, I I know we're going to start this podcast by talking about the end of the season. Uh, So Rhett, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we have in store for this episode? Yeah. So I, my debut piece uh, for hoop ball was about Uh, the end of the season and I called it too hot. And basically the idea there was looking into players who ended the season, whether it be the last month or two months um, far better than what their uh, year long ranking might be. And so the idea was to try to find the difference between hot shooting, high minutes or players that actually improved, whether it be role or just like got more comfortable. There's a couple different options for a couple of the guys we're going to talk about and then try to decide what that means for us as dynasty GMs uh, as we approach the off season. Yeah. And guys, this article is available for you hoop ball members. So definitely check it out. We're going to talk about just a select few players in that article but there are many more on there that we're not going to mention. So, so definitely go check that out uh, at hoop-ball.com. I can edit all this out. Are you just going to roll straight into Ant? No, I, was, uh, I just okay. lost my train of thought, and I was hoping. Okay. I was just going to pause because I knew you could edit it out. Yeah, and that's so if I, if, yeah. If I just pause and then go right into something, I think we can edit that. That's yes, that's all. absolutely. Yep. I was I trying not to um ah uh, anything like yeah, that. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. All <laughs> right, I can edit all of this out, so you can just probably roll right into Ant. I don't. Okay, I'm gonna go into the, what the article means, and then I'll roll into Ant. Okay. That's okay. So, yep. Absolutely. So, and this article is really important. Um, the main takeaway for for me, at least, is that. We see a lot of guys at the end of the season, it happens a lot, those bad tanking teams start looking at the lotto balls and they sit their veteran players, they give their young players uh, opportunity to, to play, and then we get these hot stretches of, of guys. Um, we get these guys that, that get that uptick of minutes, and we, we want to know, is this for real? Is this a guy I need to hold? Is this a guy I need to pick up? Or is this a guy maybe I can sell him on his hot streak? And I think that's the really important thing from this article. And that's what we're going to try and break down for you. So um, without further ado, our our first guy on the list is Anthony Edwards. Um, And Anthony Edwards is a guy in our league that I was able to get with the sixth pick in our rookie draft, which is crazy. I think in in most leagues, I think he was what, maybe the fourth or fifth guy in most leagues, maybe the third. Uh, I'm pretty sure the consensus was LaMelo Wiseman, Wiseman, LaMelo. Um, but then Anthony Edwards was right after that. So if you were able to get Edwards third, fourth, fifth, whatever it may have been for you, you have to be feeling fantastic right now. Uh, the guy looked really good. Um, th- the biggest thing for him was coming into the year. What was his biggest thing? It was his, his percentages, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't know what he was going to be like. Um, he was kind of a high volume guy, but maybe not the most efficient. 
And at the beginning of the year, all of that was true. He shot 37% before the all-star break. The tools were there. The athleticism's there. We got to see that. I wasn't too worried when I was holding him and owning him. Um, and then post all-star break came and, and that's where it all kind of clicked for him, came together. He shot 45% after the all-star break. I think he's a top 50 guy. Uh, I'd have to look at his ADP, what he's kind of currently going now. But for me, he's a top 50 guy moving forward easily. And I don't know if he can shoot 45% again, but you have to be extremely excited with what he was able to do. And he's a guy I'm definitely holding, uh, unless I'm getting a King's ransom for him. He's not going anywhere if he's on my team. Yeah, so Edwards for the season was at 118, which is like, that's pretty decent compared to what we were expecting when it comes to efficiency, especially when he did struggle uh, from the free throw line a little bit for the season, you know, definitely not over the top great, but he ended the last month as a, as the 40th overall player. And the, the craziest part to me, so we talked before is like, okay, maybe it was just hot shooting and it, he did improve as a shooter, but it wasn't some astronomical jump from like, a 33% shooter that he did on the year to something like 42% or anything like that. He was just a 36% three point shooter um, in the last month of the season. And that's just, that just goes to show that he just improved as a player and got more comfortable as a player on the Timberwolves. And, and I think the thing to me that uh, really drives it home is that he did all of this in that last month with D'Angelo Russell coming back and playing. So he was doing it next to Carl Anthony Towns. He was doing it next to D'Angelo Russell. And obviously Malik Beasley is still out, but I don't see any reason why he can't still be a top 100 player easily moving forward, especially uh, if that shooting is real. And I think it will be. I think he's the improvements that he made, especially at a player at his age. Um, the NBA game is just suited for him. He, he's super athletic. Uh, the spacing in the NBA is, is just so well-suited for his game. Uh, I'm really excited about him. Where would you rank him as far as rookies go moving forward um, based on last year's season that you saw? Um, ooh, I think I'd probably still have – I'd have him third, but now Halliburton jumps up ahead of him, I think, so instead, go of, instead of Wiseman. Yeah, LaMelo – Halliburton Edwards, depending on your appetite for risk and what you look for in a fantasy player. But the thing to me is that Halliburton is just so solid that I think I would just take him second as far as fantasy goes. Um, but I would not fault you at all for taking the star power of Anthony Edwards second. I still think Lel is first though. Yeah, I would agree there. I don't think <laughs> I'm going to argue that, uh, that Lamelo isn't going to be number one on my board there for, for as far as rookies went, but I, I don't know. I, I think I'm a little more risk uh, tolerant. I think I'm a little more risk associate. I would probably take Edwards over Halliburton. I, I like Halliburton's floor. Um, if you're risk averse, Halliburton's a, a great guy to go after uh, before Edwards. But man, for me, what he was able to do, some of the highlights that he was able to, to show, uh, man, like hitting his head almost on the rim, some of those dunks that he was able to do. I'm a big fan of Edwards. I, I would have him number two in my rookie ranks heading into the season. I think he's a top 50 guy. And if you're, if you're doing a startup league. Yeah. Yeah, probably so. And there's definitely a fun factor to it. And I think that that is a good transition to our next player <laughs> who we both love and uh, have 
have been big fans of this player through thick and thin through uh, some, some terrible, terrible besmirching. Honestly, that's really all that it is. And that's Lonzo ball. Uh, We have been just huge fans of Lonzo as a fantasy prospect. Huge, huge, because he just racks up stats, you know, points three, like he didn't have threes very much early career. Now he does tons of rebounds, tons of assists and great steals since his rookie year. What do you think about Lonzo? I absolutely love Lonzo. I don't think anybody is a bigger fan of Lonzo than me, except for maybe you. Yes. Everybody I've talked to. I was going to say, don't you dare try to take that (laughs) title from me. I think all the interactions that I've had with, with people in the fantasy basketball realm, um, as far as dynasty goes or even redraft leagues, I mean, I just absolutely love Lonzo. And if you look at his numbers, if you dive into them, you'll see his minutes around 30 per game. What he averages here around five boards, five and a half assists, steal and a half. Yep. Some, something around that realm. I don't have his stats pulled up right now. That's what it was. But you look at those numbers and, and maybe they're, they're a little bit underwhelming to you. But if you look at the way that the Pelicans used him this year as more of a spot up shooter and not so much given the keys to the offense, I, I think his just his upside is huge. I think we're just scratching the surface of what he can do. He's a restricted free agent this year. He may go back to the Pelicans. I don't think he does. I think he goes somewhere else. And I just absolutely love his upside. He was a top 50 guy this year. Red will kind of talk a little bit more about that, I'm sure. But he's a top 50 guy this year in what he did. And like we mentioned, he's never really been the focal point on an offense. He's never really given the keys to the offense. And I think that's coming. And he's just 23 years old. Yes. So to get into his ranking and how hot he finished, he was 46th overall this year in nine category leagues. Yes. Lonzo ball was a top 50 player in nine category leagues, averaging the lowest rebounds and the lowest assists that he's ever averaged in the NBA. And I think at one point in the season, I texted you as like, Hey, uh, what do you think Lonzo is shooting from the free throw line? And I think at the point, he was over 80%. Lonzo is not, a, is not a percentage destroyer. He will hurt your field goal percentage. There's no doubt about it. He shot 41% on the year. He takes most of his shots from deep, so he's going to destroy your field goal percentage. Not really that worried about that. What he did do was also have three threes and shot 78% from the line for the season. Now, what he did in the last month was enough to make him the 25th ranked player overall. And... That was on, it was on a slight minutes increase. He was playing 35 minutes a game to close the year, but he played, um, I believe it was 30. Yeah. He played just a little bit over 31. So it was about four more minutes, which that does inflate his value a little bit, but I don't think there's any question in my mind, at least as the biggest Lonzo fan on this podcast and elsewhere that Lonzo is poised for a breakout if he ends up going somewhere like Chicago or New York in free agency this summer. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm just going to throw out some names to you, Rhett. And I want you to, to seriously think about which guy you'd rather have in a startup draft in a dynasty league. Okay. First, first name I want to throw out there. And these are guys that I've seen consistently similar and ranked, or even maybe a little bit higher. Uh, Jaron Jackson, Jr. Ooh, 
I know I threw a hard one out there. That's right too, away. man. I was expecting a <laughs> softball right up front. No, you just went straight for it. Um, I know how important assists are and steals are in, in most leagues, but I would probably still have to take Jaron Jackson. Just the upside is so high for Jaron Jackson. He's an easy top 20 player. If he puts it all together and stop fouling. But I also, if you don't believe in Jaron Jackson, Lonzo is, he could also find himself up there. Or the injury concern. Yeah. And then right. the next one, um, DeJunte Murray, we'll take a little bit step back there. Man, you just going straight for the heart there on that one too. <laughs> just a little uh, step back. <laughs> um, I think you've got to take Lonzo for the upside. Yeah, and I would agree. And I, and I would take Lonzo over both those guys. Um, top 50 player last year, and I think – uh, the sky's the limit for him moving forward. Man, I, DeJounte is probably my other favorite fantasy player. And so having me pick between the two is just rude. That's just, <laughs> that's why I threw him out there. You just I threw had, me on the spot just, just like it. that. Yeah. That has nothing to do with anybody else listening. That's just for me. Um, All right. Well, let's, yeah. uh, well, let's move on because I think we could talk another 30 minutes on Lonzo <laughs> and what he can do. But for, for anybody, go out and get Lonzo. If, if you can buy low on him, if you have an owner that isn't sold on him yet, uh, absolutely go out and get him. If you, can, if you can get him for a player that's outside the top 50, uh, I would definitely be doing that. Uh, the next player on our list is a guy that I think is the most intriguing player on this list, and that is Miles Bridges. Uh, Rhett, what do you think of Miles Bridges uh, moving forward? I know this year he just saw massive improvements. He's a guy that's, that's really hard to, to say, are these improvements legitimate or is he a player that is probably going to regress back to what he did his first two years in the league? The reason his improvements are so hard to assess is that he went from a 42% shooter last year to 50%. He went from a 33% shooter from three to 40%. And he went from an 81% shooter from the free throw line to an 87% shooter from the free throw line. And so obviously he is young. He is, how old is he? 23? I think so. Yeah. 23. So so he's a 23 year old. So you know, he's going to improve, but that kind of across the board efficiency boost is just frankly incredible and just speaks a lot to his work ethic. I think that there's definitely a case for some regression there. um, Just because you know, like 50% from the field is very hard to do uh, if you're a wing. And, but I, I also don't see any reason that he couldn't get more opportunity. So he, he's really interesting because coming into the league, his biggest knock was, He's kind of a tweener, right? He's six six. Is he? But he's strong. Is he a, a small forward, a power forward? And then his big knock also was his shooting. Can he be able to create off the dribble? Um, is he going to be able to knock down the three point shot in the NBA? And and he's proven to do that last year, and that's what's really surprising. And then another thing, as he came into the league, he was supposed to be a really solid defender, and he really hasn't given you the stocks that I thought he'd get. Now, his blocks are decent for a guy his size. He averaged, I think, something like 0.7, 0.8 blocks, almost a block a game, Yep, um, which is pretty good for a guy his size. And I think that'll stay. Um, his steals were a little bit less than that. So the stocks are a little bit um, underwhelming for a guy that his calling card coming in was his versatility and his ability to, to lock up guys on the defensive end and switch. 
Um, but, the, but the improvements in the field goal percentage, I, I think you have to be really excited for moving forward. His role in that offense, uh, I think will be somewhere in that 27 to 30 minute game minutes per game next year. They're definitely going to do something at the center position, right? They, they can't go in there with, with Cody Zeller or whoever the heck else they were throwing out there. Uh, PJ Washington's going to play some small five, which is going to be great for bridges. That means he's moving into that lineup when, when Washington's at the five, even if they sign a guy like Drummond or whoever else is out there at that center position, he's going to get minutes coming off the bench. So I really like bridges, the improvement, take it with a grain of salt, especially that, that field goal percentage. Um, but overall, even if he's a guy that regresses back down to 45% from the field, maybe 35% from three, he's still going to get you solid points, rebounds. And I think those stocks will get a little bit better uh, as he gets a little bit older and better. Yeah. So Bridges finished the season 91st overall in 28.7 minutes a game, which is really impressive. I would not have guessed that Miles Bridges would be finishing inside the top 100, especially not getting a quote unquote starters load. Uh, He played a lot more minutes with um, Gordon Hayward being out And he actually finished the last month 17th overall (laughs) in nine category leagues. And that was on the back of over 36 minutes a game. So it was definitely a massive improvement in opportunity there. Uh, And it helped that he was shooting 51% from the field and getting one and a quarter blocks a game, shooting 91% from the line too. So that he's not a top 20 player moving forward, but I think there's definitely a case for him to be better than the 91 Overall, he finished this year, even if there is a shooting regression, because he should get increased opportunity and minutes. Yeah. And if you can talk a a guy down, if you can, maybe somebody that, that wasn't really paying attention, he was on a losing team in your league and they weren't really paying attention those final two months of the season. uh, Definitely, definitely call and see what, uh, what they want for him. Cause he's a guy, I I really think the, the improvements that he made, the, the strides that he made last year, I think, are going to be pretty good for him. I think moving forward, he's going to be a solid player. Um, and that team, they need young talent. And he's a guy with a ton of athleticism. Uh, he's a guy that LaMelo Ball, I think he's going to play really well next to LaMelo Ball with it, that athleticism and Melo's ability to dish the, the ball. So if, if a team wasn't paying attention those final two months, definitely be calling, seeing what, what they want for him because he's a guy I, I really like moving forward. Uh, to creep up that that overall rankings list and there are those teams out there right like we all know it we've all been in dynasty leagues we all know what happens once you real once teams start to realize that they're not in the hunt and they're going to start just like not really paying attention so they can get a better draft pick in the coming rookie draft so there's a very good chance that miles bridges last couple months flew under the radar and we're not saying pay a top 20 asset. We're not saying pay a top 50 asset for him, but there's a good chance that somebody in your league wasn't paying attention and they owned miles bridges and you can go out there and get them and you can get him at a cheap rate. If you believe in him. Yeah. I mean, if you can get him for a first round pick, a a mid to late first round pick, I think he's well worth that. Mm -hmm. Um, If, if you can get him for a guy like Kobe white, who's a little bit flashier of a player, Mm-hmm. Um, a, a little bit bigger of a name, I'd say. I would definitely do that as well. Or a guy mm-hmm. like KPJ, who everybody seems to love. Uh, so 
if, if you can get a, a big name rookie guy, a young guy that everybody seems to like, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin Porter Jr., Kobe White, just a couple names, uh, Tyler Hero, even I would I would trade him for Bridges as well. That'd be um, easy. <laughs> guys like that that are a little bit bigger name, a little flashier. If you can do that, absolutely go after that if you can. Yep, absolutely. And so now we're going to move into a couple combinations of players who fall in the same vein generally and are just a little bit less certain than the than the three that we've talked about. And the first two we're going to talk about right now is O'Shea Brissett and Chuma Okiki. And I'm a Pacers fan, so I love O'Shea Brissett. But even I was surprised to find that he was 88th on the season. On the season, 88th. Now, the sample size is small because they didn't sign him until a couple of months into the season. And he did fill in a lot for the slew of injuries the Pacers had in their front court between Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, TJ Warren, Gogo Batadze, Jakar Sampson, yada, 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 all the way down the line. But he played really, really well. And I'm not sure what that means for him moving forward. I don't think it means much at all. Uh, you know my kind of take on on a lot of your Pacer guys. Uh, I'm just not a huge fan of Brissett. I think he's a useful player for the Pacers. I do like him moving forward in real life for the Pacers. But from a dynasty perspective, I would rather have a guy, a younger player, that has a little bit more upside than what he shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, a guy like... Uh, just off the top of my head, like Moses Brown, I would rather take a chance on him and what he can do than have a guy like Brissett. Not saying that Brissett's not going to be useful, but for an, an end of the bench guy, I just want a little bit more upside. And I think a lot of what Brissett did last year was due to injury. Now that obviously could happen again, but there were times where um, Turner was out, Sabonis was out, Goga was out, and Brissett was literally their only big man that they could play, and he was getting a ton of minutes. And even still towards that end of the season, when Sabonis got healthy, Turner was still out. Gogo was in there and out of there um, often. So Brissett was just getting a ton of minutes there towards the end. I know he was a top 100 player. He's probably, he is, he is ownable um, in those 12, 14 team leagues where you got 20 man rosters or so. So he's definitely ownable. I don't want to just say drop him and pick up just anybody that's 20 years old. But I'm just not a huge fan of him. I would much rather have a a younger player with a little bit more upside and and take that chance. But you know me, I'm a, I'm a little bit more of a risk taker with regards to my end of my, the end of my bench. That's true. I will say O'Shea probably won't even be a starter next year. If, unless the Pacers go through some massive changes, because you should hope. (laughs) Well, he was good, but I don't know if he was that good. So, um, but he did he did finish 88th in only 25 minutes a game. And when he got 30 minutes a game for the last month of the season, he finished 52nd. And he doesn't he doesn't play a game other than what he can do. He's very good at what he does, but he doesn't have the upside, like you said. He didn't take a single shot off the dribble. He didn't take anything but open or wide open threes. And he doesn't have a very high ceiling, even though he is only 23 years old. On the other hand, Chuma Okiki, I think he has a higher ceiling because Orlando is a much worse team that has no, they don't want to win. So they don't have a problem with letting Chuma Okiki have a bigger role, but 
the role that he had to close the season out, uh, I don't think is very realistic <laughs> at all. Yeah, I absolutely want to hear you say what his ranking was there that, that final month or so of the season. So for <laughs> the season, he was 172. Very underwhelming. Shot like 41% from the field for the entire season. Just generally not good. But for the last month, he was 14th overall. My man Four- Chuma Okiki was 14th overall. 14th overall. So my favorite thing about Chuma Okiki is his name. Just saying his name is is probably my favorite part about his game, to be honest. And I don't mean that doesn't mean I don't like Okiki, but the Magic. If you look at that team and what they're going to do moving forward, they have essentially a, a top five pick, and they're going more than likely. I think there's a seventy percent chance, seventy five percent chance they get that Bulls pick as well. So Mm -hmm. it it looks like they're going to have a top five pick and it looks like they're going to have a pick in that seven to 10 range as well. And that's kind of scary to me if I'm an Okiki owner. And the reason that is, is because they have good guards. They have Fultz, they have Hampton, they have Cole Anthony, good young guards that have looked pretty good when given the opportunity. And they have a center or a couple centers and Bamba and Wendell Carter Jr., so what does that mean? That means they're going to go after wings. I think they, they need multiple wings. They need playmakers on that team. And that scares me a little bit with Okiki. Not that I don't think Okiki can be somewhat useful, but for a, a young player like him that you're hoping is going to blossom into being a star player, I just don't see it for him. And that's unfortunate because I want him to stay around because I want to be hearing conversation with the name Chuma Okiki. <laughs> And so let me explain a little bit why he's 14th instead of 172. He had 2.7 steals a game. That is not sustainable. He will not be one of the best steals getters in the entire league over the last like 10 years. He also (laughs) shot 53% from the field. Also not sustainable. I think that he's better than the 42% he shot overall for the season, but I definitely don't think that he's up towards 52, 53%. But I do, I, I agree with your take that the Magic have just enough avenues to get good players on the wing that Okiki just probably isn't going to be a 31-minute-a-night player. He's good. He's very versatile, both ends of the floor. He got a little bit of shot creation responsibility and almost averaged three assists as they closed the season out for that last month. But they have Jonathan Isaac, who's going to be playing on the wing. They could easily have, like we talked about, one top four pick and then one top 10 pick. And there's a lot of wings in the middle of that top 10 that they could easily, they could just grab. And they just like, okay, Chuma, you're back on the bench because Jalen Green or Jonathan Kaminga is now starting. So, the opportunity might go away, but at the same time, he's worth having. Absolutely. And and do remember too, he sat out his entire rookie season. So this is, I know it was his rookie year, but he, this is year two for him. So he's not the youngest player. He'll be 23 next year. Yeah. Season starts. I know that's not old, but for a guy that you think is a rookie and an up and coming player, he kind of needs to be showing that development quicker than most guys would to be able to stick around when you got a team that's, that's looking to rebuild and looking to find good players. To me, if, if I owned Okiki 
and and I saw what he was able to do with the opportunity. I am trying to sell high on him right now. He's probably out of all the guys on the list, the one player I'm really looking to sell high on. If you can get a player like uh, Marcus Smart or Markel Fultz or, or somebody like that that is in kind of that prime range of age and is a solid player and and you are a team that that maybe is looking to compete a little bit, I would definitely be looking to move him for, for anybody um, like those said aforementioned names. Now, if you're a team that's rebuilding, he's definitely worth keeping, worth taking that chance on. Maybe what he was able to do at the end of the year, he's able to, to do at the start of the year next year. He'll probably be a starter at the beginning of the season. I think if they do still have Terrence Ross, he's going to come off the bench like he normally does. Um, and depending upon who that new coach is too, they may be a little bit more averse to, to starting a rookie. So you just never know there. If, if you're a rebuilding team, he's, he's worth keeping. But uh, to me, if I have Okiki and I'm looking to maybe compete or I'm starting to compete, he, he's on the block. He's getting moved. I, I think I can get good value for him right now. And I think that's the case for most of these guys, honestly, is Okiki, O'Shea, uh, a lot of the other guys that we're going to talk about and that I put in my article that we may not talk about. There's, there's a level to where if someone's going to bull you over, then it probably makes sense just to take it. Now, I personally wouldn't do that with Lonzo. Travis wouldn't do that with Anthony Edwards. But you know, it, it depends on your personal outlook for these players and the offers that you're getting. We had somebody talking about uh, Jaden McDaniels, how we felt about Jaden McDaniels and that he had three offers for him. We're like, well, what are the offers? And he's like, well, I've got one that's Rocco and a top 10 pick this year. It's like, I love Jaden McDaniels, but <laughs> that's an easy accept. And so if yeah. you're getting, if you're getting some offers like that, then obviously it changes the math a little bit, but I do think Okiki is probably a sell high. I would just be interested to see what offers you're getting uh, before making a move like that. Would you take a mid to late round first for him? Probably so. Yes. I, and I think I would too, pretty easily, especially in this draft. Um, but, but moving on, we, we have another tier of guys, um, two big men. And these guys are in that tier where they really just need minutes to be a top 100 player, in my opinion. And those two guys are, are Mo Bamba and Jackson Hayes. And I'll let you talk about your boy first because we are kind of split on these two guys. We are. So I rostered Mo Bamba for most of the year this year. And it was extremely frustrating because the Magic were playing Vucevic, as they should be. There's no question. Vuce is incredible. Also have him. But they were also they were playing Kim Birch and not Mo Bamba. And anytime I would see a hot free agent, it would be like, ah, do I drop Bamba? He's 22. He's got such a high fantasy ceiling. And then he'd play 22 minutes, have, you know, 12 points, three threes and two blocks. And you're like, yes, that's it. Mo Bamba's on. The <laughs> and then he's not because he didn't get minutes. But now Orlando is bad and they do have Wendell Carter Jr. But Mo Bamba closed the year as the 59th ranked player. And he did that in only 24 minutes a game, which is, that's all he needs to be great as a fantasy option. I don't think he's going to be top 60 next year because I don't think he gets the minutes for it. But I, I mean, Mo Bamba, man, what can you say? <laughs> Ballin. <laughs> Every time I think of Mo Bamba, I have to, I have to bring that song up. It just gets caught in my head. Oh man. Mo Bamba. 
But my guy, Jackson Hayes, I, I love Jackson Hayes. He's a player that I would absolutely go out and get right now if my build wasn't built around points, threes, steals, and assists. Uh, but, but Jackson Hayes is a guy that I think just needs minutes, and he's going to get minutes this year. I'm, I'm just I'm super confident. And they're, whoever their new coach is, is going to come in. They're going to play the young guys. Steven Adams, we saw at the end of the year. I'm, I'm sure Steven Adams is going to be in your next article that you're going to tell us about at the end of the <laughs> show. Um, but Steven Adams, he, he just doesn't fit that team whatsoever. He's a terrible fit next to Zion. Um, other than just being kind of a hustle guy, he really doesn't contribute much. Jackson Hayes isn't a ton better fit next to Zion. I think you're looking for a little bit more of a stretch five, um, but he, he's way better than what Adams can offer. And he gives you that youth. He gives you that athleticism. And he showed last year that he has the ability to stretch it out and shoot the ball a little bit. His free throw percentage was pretty good. He was somewhere, I think he was like 78% or 77, 78%, something like that. Uh, so his free throw percentage was pretty good. I think he has the ability to, to step back and, and shoot as he gets a little bit um, better as a player and matures. So I'm a big fan of Jackson Hayes. I think he only needs somewhere between 20, 22 minutes to be a top 100 guy. Uh, good, good amount of, of rebounds, solid blocks. Uh, we'll see where his steals are at next year once he gets a few more minutes. But I think he has a really safe floor. He's a guy that if you just look at his stats the past two seasons – they're very underwhelming, mainly due to the minutes he's played. So if you can get him on the cheap, absolutely go after him. I wish my build was different so I could go after <laughs> him right now. But unfortunately, it's not, and that's my own doing, I know. But uh, I, I love Jackson Hayes. I, I think he, like I said, he's got a safe floor. He's one of the the young bigs when you do a, a startup draft in Dynasty. He's one of the young bigs that kind of gets bumped up higher for me uh, than a lot of these other guys. Um, including Bamba for me. Yeah, so getting in the numbers a little bit, Bamba was 201 on the year, uh, which is not anything to write home about. He was 113 in the last two months and then 59th in the last month. And, and Bamba was doing that in 24 minutes a game, like I said. Jackson Hayes, on the other hand, for the year was 235 and then 178 in the last two months that I grabbed and then 97th for the last month. And he was doing that in 21 minutes a game. So that math checks out. What you said is he needs 20 to 22 minutes to be a top 100 player. And that showed out to close the season. And he wasn't doing anything spectacular. It was 12 points, you know, six boards, not even an assist, 0.6 steals, one, one and a quarter blocks on 59% shooting. But what you said about him being a better fit with Zion, I, I think – makes sense but the bar is also set very low because steven adams is such a terrible fit with zion <laughs> no doubt no doubt. but but i do think there's something to jackson hayes getting more minutes and getting more opportunity because the idea like it could just be as simple as like well adams just isn't that good like and we're not getting that much of a different player playing jackson hayes but hayes has such a better ceiling as a younger player and just way better of an athlete. So I think you're probably right in that uh, he's, he's going to have more opportunity next year. And I'm going to give you a comparison. I may get a little bit of pushback on this, Uh oh. but a, a comparison to me, Jackson Hayes 
is a guy like DeAndre Ayton if he got more opportunity because mm. he's a big that's a really elite field goal percentage guy, a guy that's not going to hurt your free throw percentage. And Ayton's kind of been underwhelming in blocks. And I think Hayes, if he can get 25, what if he creeps up towards that 30 minute marker? I think Hayes is is easily a block and a half. Yeah. So if you look at if you look at Ayton's numbers and you look at what Hayes could be, I think they're a lot closer than what you might realize. And I'm not saying that Hayes is going to be better than Aiton long-term. I still am a huge believer in Aiton, but I just think they're closer than what people may, may seem. If you look at what Hayes can do with minutes, if given that opportunity, and I know opportunity is the name of the game, but I, th- I really think it's coming next year. And that's the biggest part about what we're doing and, and the whole idea of this article and what you need to be doing as a dynasty GM is trying to find those guys that, that had small windows of opportunity of increased opportunity, excuse me, and then deciding for yourself whether or not you believe in it. So that's kind of what you have to do with Jackson Hayes, Mo Bamba, O'Shea Brissett, Chuma Okiki, all of these young guys that got minutes on pretty bad teams to close the year out. And you have to decide what's good, what's not, and then treat them accordingly whether they're on your roster or on somebody else's roster and I think that that takes us into our next group of players that are even further down the line of trustworthy finishes to the season and that's guys like Isaiah Stewart Sadiq Bey and Malachi Flynn yeah and if you look at those three names you'll notice that two of them made the all NBA rookie team uh, Bay being on the first team and Stewart yeah. being on the second team. Um, and out of those three guys, I would take Flynn <laughs> moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> uh, I'm not a, I'm not a huge believer in Stewart. Uh, I think he's a high energy guy, but ultimately um, I, I believe he's, he's built to be a backup center in this league. Uh, somebody that's going to give you a similar game to what Dwight Howard can do now. Not the vintage Dwight Howard, of course. <laughs> Wait, he's of... not going to be a top four fantasy player? <laughs> That's crazy. But kind of that that hustle guy, he's going to come in, give you good minutes. I think he's going to give you good stocks. But long-term, I, I don't see him in Detroit's plans long-term as far as their start, what they want to construct in that lineup. Now, Bay's a little bit different because he's got some versatility. He obviously was able to shoot the ball very well this year. Um, he's a decent defender as well. So I think Bay could be a part of their plan. I'm not huge, hugely high on Bay, but at the same time, in most leagues, I don't think Bay would have been drafted in a rookie draft, maybe, maybe in third or fourth round. I, I don't think he went in the first or second round in most rookie drafts, unless, of course, you're in a, in a, a big 20-30 team league. Yeah. But for what you probably paid to get Sadiq Bay, you have to be super happy about that. Absolutely. And, and I think you nailed it in that like Flynn probably has the easiest path to opportunity. If Kyle Lowry ends up not returning to Toronto, but he also has the lowest fantasy ceiling because he's going to have pretty poor field goal percentage. He's not going to have great rebounds, not going to have great points. So it's pretty much just going to be, threes assists steals and free throw percentage which is all you care about in your build <laughs> but some of us actually have to care about multiple stats uh across across more than just four or five but 
I think I think you were right about Stewart in that he's probably best served as a backup, which is fine. That has a lot of fantasy value. There's plenty of backups out there that have a, a ton of fantasy value and an injury can change everything. Isaiah Stewart in the last month was the 62nd ranked player. For the year, he was 136. So like still standard league value in standard 12 team is typically 150 players have value. He was in that window and Sadiq Bey was five picks out of it for the entire season at 155. So like both guys have fantasy value, even on a team that was sometimes playing guys like DeLon Wright, Mason Plumlee, Jeremy Grant, Corey Joseph, like playing older vets, but then occasionally would sit them. And that's how you get the production and the numbers like 62nd overall for Isaiah Stewart, like 87th overall for Sadiq Bay in the last month. And then Malachi Flynn obviously jumped in for Kyle Lowry and he was 128 over the last month. Um, but I think any, any of the three would be replaced in the rotation very easily by the top picks that these teams are going to have. But I think Bay, like you said, with the versatility he has on both ends of the, both ends of the floor is just the hardest to replace because wing is just the most valuable position in the league right now. Yeah. I think if, if you have a, a startup draft, I think out of all three of these guys, in most leagues, I think Bay is going to go before the other three guys, the other yes. two guys that we're, we're discussing. But for me, I, I just really like Malachi Flynn and what I was seeing from the end of the season. I know he was getting really heavy minutes there, but you don't have to look very far to see a comp for him. And that's potentially Fred Van Fleet type player. If he can make that leap uh, next year and you look at the Raptors and their ability to develop guys like Siakam, like Van Fleet, like um, OG, I know OG was a little bit higher of a pick, but the, the Raptors have a proven track record of developing uh, hometown players, the guys they draft. And I would definitely be willing to take that chance with Flynn. I think he's a, he's a guy that's going to get you good points, uh, threes, steals, basically everything that Fred Van Fleet does right now. Uh, I think that's his upside if he can get there. But the opportunity... I don't know if he's going to have that next year. He may, he may be a guy you have to be a little bit more patient on, but if you do have him, he, he's definitely worth a hold. All three of these guys are worth a hold. I know we're yeah. definitely uh, pulling some of the negatives that, that we think on these guys, but they are all worth a hold until we see what the Pistons do with the draft picks that they have. And until we see what the Raptors do this off season and in terms of, of, what Lowry does, uh, if they re-sign Gary Trent or not. So all three of these guys, definite holds. You probably got all three of them pretty late in the draft or a pickup. So you have to be happy with what they were able to do for your team this year and moving forward. The idea here is not to tell you that these players are not going to be good or are not going to do what they did to close out the season. Uh, in Chuma Okiki's case, that is what we're here to do. But for for – Stuart Bay Flynn, Travis is exactly right in that the price you paid to get them is probably not very high. So any sort of production you're going to get that's positive, especially to close out a season where some people might have had Malachi Flynn as a pickup and he contributed to a championship. Sadiq, Sadiq Bay probably did that throughout the year, just being a generally solid player. And then Isaiah Stewart had 2.3 blocks a game for the last month, and that could win somebody a week. So the idea is not to tell, they're not immediate drops. Do not drop them unless there's some crazy hot pickup that for some reason is available right now that is increasing in value. I don't know who that would be. Maybe Tyrese Maxey after the game he just had, but 
they're good players and their situation can change drastically. If, if Detroit gets number two and they draft Evan Mobley, then Stewart's probably not that valuable going into next year. But if they draft a guard, if they get one and they draft Cade Cunningham, Stewart might get 26 minutes a game next year. And then he's probably inside the top 75. So they have value and they're young enough to hold no matter what. They're probably young enough to, to pick up if they somehow are available right now. They're probably worth a flyer just to see what happens with free agency. Take the chance that Lowry doesn't come back and they don't, and the Raptors don't draft a guard. And then Malachi Flynn might be the starting guard next year. But either way, these and, guys – go ahead. Yeah, and another big takeaway with, with this group of players, Stuart Bay Flynn, is they probably don't have much trade value either. No. So they're definitely just a hold right now to just to see what they can do going into next season because, for one, you're not going to be able to get a player back on what they're worth unless you got a guy that's a huge Pistons fan in your league, obviously. Uh, but but something like – I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't take a, a second-round pick for either of these guys, I don't think. I think I would hold them. Not right now. Yeah, I, would, I don't think I would either. I would definitely – and I don't think you're going to get a first round pick offer for either of these guys. So no. um, for me, it's it, this whole group as a whole is just a hold. They have more value than what you'll be able to get by trading them. If you can, maybe if you have another trade in mind, maybe, and you can throw one of these guys in there uh, to get the deal done, I would do that. But as, as far as their outlook moving forward, definitely a hold. Let's see what these teams do and then assess after that. Absolutely. Like we said earlier, there's a there's a couple other names that we did not discuss tonight uh, or whenever you're listening to this, but they are in the article. And there's a couple details that we did not get into on Lonzo Ball, Anthony Edwards, O'Shea Brissett that are in the article as well. So if you want to check that out, head over to hoop-ball.com, find my too hot article, and then stick around because I'm having a too cold article coming out here uh, shortly as well. And and obviously we'll talk about that on the pod as well. So if you want to have a baseline to see what players might've finished too cold, whether it be a poor shoot, bad roll, just anything like that, you're going to want to check those people out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, moving forward, we do have a lot of content. Uh, this podcast is strictly dynasty focused. I do want to stress that. Uh, we are mainly just always focusing on the dynasty perspective for fantasy, which I think is great. We, we all know there's not a lot of content out there for dynasty hoops. And during this time, playoffs are going. A lot of league owners have probably checked out. There's not a lot of trades flying around. So if you're anything like me and you really need to get that, that fill, that fantasy fill in uh, for the day, definitely check out Rhett's article on hoop-ball.com. And, and all the other articles that he will be posting moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of st- great stuff out there. The Hoopball family has team-related specific stuff. They've got DFS. they got all sorts of content. Great stuff. Follow everybody on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter, at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. I'm always open to questions. They might even make the podcast. Uh, I'm available Pretty much any time if I'm in, not in the middle of declining a trade from Travis, that's just absolutely terrible. But hey, once a week, <laughs> it's been once a day I'm, here. I might here catch you recently. I might catch you in a weak moment. 
it's been close a couple times. But thank you very much for tuning in. Be sure to check back with the Hoopball family to find some more content, and we'll talk to you guys later.